Welcome to Job Sharing and Beyond, the future of work podcast that goes beyond the traditional nine to five. I am Karen Tischler, speaker, consultant, and host of the show, where we hear from global experts every other week to discover innovative solutions and tips on how to remain a relevant employer in the future. Welcome, everybody. I am super excited to have Sarah Hosfall join me today. Sarah is the founder and CEO of GenieV and has been specializing in optimizing and simplifying the creation and support of job share partnerships since 2013. GenieB's mission is to make job sharing more accessible, and it has led to the launch of their unique retention platform in 2016. The cloud-based SAAS solution helps organizations to retain talent and develop a more diverse talent pipeline by empowering employees to form job share partnerships. Welcome to our show, Sarah. Thanks very much, Karen. What a fabulous introduction. <laughs> Thank you. So now um, I am um, recording this here in Vancouver, Canada, just to give our guests, uh, our listeners, a little bit of uh, ideas of where are you currently based? And um, maybe could you tell us a little bit, like maybe your favorite dish of where you are around? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, so Jeannie B is in St. Ives, which is about 12 miles just out of Cambridge um, in the UK, um, which is home of uh, Cambridge University, one of the most prestigious universities in the world. Charles Darwin went there, Stephen Hawkins went there. Um, and it's also Cambridge is the, the tech hub of the UK. So it's quite often referred to over here as Silicon Fen. Oh. <laughs> and there's quite a lot of Fenland around here so it's kind of the UK equivalent of Silicon Valley uh, which is which is quite cute um I don't know about a dish to be honest um I'm I don't know if you probably won't be able to tell from my accent but I'm from Yorkshire um and Yorkshire puddings is uh kind of one of our favorite dishes up there um in Cambridge um I I'm not sure yet but what they do have in Cambridge um not relating to to eating but um is their punting on the river on the river cam it's quite famous for that so if you ever come to Cambridge uh, you'll see lots of people particularly in the summer on these fabulous punts uh, being taken up and down the river cam so it's a lovely thing to do over here beautiful city wow that that sounds amazing i've been to cambridge a long long time ago when i was i think i had just finished high school so yes yeah, so it's oh, definitely wow. i should definitely go back and visit that sounds amazing yeah yeah it is it's lovely so now a lot of people, especially here in Canada and in North America and probably around the world, don't know the term job sharing that much. Could you maybe give us a brief overview and what that means, especially like, you know, from your um, country's perspective? Yeah, um, I mean, it's, an in it's a really interesting one is the term job sharing. Um, I mean, it's very different today. Um, into uh, compared to how it started out it's really evolved um, essentially the way that Jeannie B interprets job sharing is two people taking ownership and responsibility for the delivery of one full-time role together so they form a partnership um, it's been around for 
decades, probably over here since about the 1940s. Um, originally in kind of local authorities and schools, really pushed by, again, women wanting to progress their career um, and enabled by the employers who wanted to retain them. Um, and um, But it kind of got quite stereotyped um, as being more of a supporting secretarial type role, not really something for senior positions. Um, and actually the extension of uh, flexible working rights to everyone back in 2014 over here, um, and then shared parental leave the, the year after, and recently the gender pay gap reporting, has kind of given it new life. It's, it's really placed flexible working policy and practice back on the, the corporate agenda. Um, and uh, it's really motivating companies to look at how better to engage, develop um, and, and attract and retain talent uh, using different ways. But, but certainly job sharing has um, suffered from uh, low, poor awareness, which really limits the application of it. Um, and it's kind of the term has suffered from this, this stereotyping. Um, in terms of uh, its application in the UK, um, really it's been quite ad hoc until recent years, um, usually arranged informally by someone who's lucky enough to know somebody else that's also looking to partner up in, this, in their company. Mm -hmm. And between them, they're lucky enough to have a boss who's confident enough um, and has the foresight to be able to implement it. Um, so, but we want more at Genie B. Um, you know, we did some research uh, with the Cambridge Judge Business School MBA candidates back in 2015, um, and we actually found that 38% of employees would consider job sharing if they knew more about it. Wow. Yeah, it was it was quite a big big proportion that would consider it, but 43% believed that their employer wouldn't support it. So they don't bother asking. <laughs> wow. Um, so, and 80% and of the employers that we spoke to were concerned about how to replace one half. You know, what happens if one half mm -hmm. leaves? Mm -hmm. um, but 42% of the candidates would actively look for a job share role. So what we found in the UK a couple of years ago is really, and still to a large extent now, there being a standoff. Companies don't really want to make it more accessible because of the perceived hassle of setting up and the perceived hassle of um, what happens if one half leaves mm -hmm. um, and candidates within their own networks don't always know somebody that's suitable to pair up mm -hmm. um, and often even when they do they don't know how to do it right what's a successful model for doing this um, and um, and so those kind of questions have kind of been hanging in the air um, but in the meantime, there are these individual fabulous um, uh, role models uh, like um, Maggie Piggott and Julie, Judy mm -hmm. Kellick, 23-year, you probably heard of them, 23-year yes, yes. job share, five years at, at CEO level. I mean, they've both got CBEs quite rightly. They've really pioneered that way of working. And they've dispelled all of the myths of, oh, this role's not suitable for job share. You can't do it at that level. And they've just let that, taken that on the chin and disproved it. Um, so, so they're fantastic. Um, and um, 
now we've got more and more like Claire Walker in Hannah Essex um, at the B, uh, British Chamber of Commerce. They really, they're really pioneering and really um, behind this way of working. Um, as are Charlotte Cherry, Alex Ainsley, uh, they're at head of HR at Quilter. Um, and uh, Lloyd's have got a lot of job shares actually, all in, internally formed at the moment, but um, Claire Freshwater Turner and Annabelle Richards, they've made some fantastic marketing. Um, and the more case studies we're now starting to see over the past right. few years, um, since we've started kind of putting forward a formula um, and encouraging and empowering people to do it, we're starting to see more case studies, which of course is how you reassure people that this is not a completely alien way of working, um, but actually it's a very supportive way of progressing your career. Um, and so things are starting to change. Um, but as I say, it's been stuck very much as, as job sharing. Um, I don't like the term, to be honest. Um, I think that the term job share doesn't lend itself to a best practice approach. Because if you just view it as sharing a job, you most, you're most likely going to interpret it as cover. Um, the, the way that we prefer to refer to it is as a, a partnership, a talent partnership or a knowledge partnership. Because that really implies actively forming a partnership together um, and that's where you really get this commitment and ownership of the continuity pitch which you don't always get in job share um, and so I think the language has not helped and I, I do believe that it will evolve um, as it starts to to take off more. Wow this is like to me it, it truly seems like such an important model to um, give somebody the flexibility at the same time as being able to continue a career on a very advanced level so yeah absolutely and uh, you know you've got to take into account that you know we've got both sides of the equation here we've got the fact that businesses are built on needing to have people there um on right. on that that continuity that business model the profitability um and we can't just forget that that's that exists exactly. at the same time you know the world of work and the profile of people coming to work and how people are you know staying younger for longer and wanting to stay in the workplace for longer and millennials are coming through with different values because of what they've lived through certainly in the UK and, and the you know the desire for time for multiple portfolio careers even and yep. doing different things outside of work different activities personal development outside of work these are all taking much more of a priority Right. And so embracing and enabling flexible working is moving away from being just about enabling mums um, to return. Yes, that's still a massive proportion of it, but actually the big change is coming because this is across generation and across gender. Right. Wow. And so now, Sarah, what made you get into job sharing in the first place? <laughs> um, so I, I mean I didn't start Genie B because I wanted to kind of run run my own company it was just a necessary thing mm -hmm. um, my background pre-family and pre-Genie B was um, 
15 years in finance and energy sectors, business to business outsourced services. Um, I had various commercial roles, basically making sure that skills were packaged in order to address customer and market challenges in, in various different roles, uh, playing various different roles in that. Um, I also did an MBA where I kind of specialised in knowledge management and what conditions are required for us to feel comfortable sharing our knowledge. Oh. And at the time, I had no idea how relevant that would become. Right. <laughs> it's, it's massively relevant in the model that we've got now and it's really been built into it. Um, but Genie B came out of my own circumstances when basically in 2013, I became a single parent of two. Um, and I had uh, just as much, if not more ambition than in terms of my career than I'd ever had. But I also had more roles in my life than I'd ever had. And I wanted to work three days in order to learn how to be a mum. And for me, there's no right or wrong in this, but there should be a choice. For me, I needed that. Um, and um, so, yeah, so I, I, because of that, became kind of inaccessible to companies. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, because all of the roles that I, I kind of drew on my experience were all full time. They all needed full time. Um, and so I kind of applied for them and, and went for interviews um, and then asked if they would consider it part time. But it didn't, that didn't feel right. You know, I've, I've run teams before. Um, and, you know, having everybody, a, a, a lot of people part time would be very difficult to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, and all other actual type, types of flexible work introduced a break in continuity. That means that for the individual, you spend a day catching up before you can do anything. Right. And for the company, it means, you know, suppliers and colleagues is like, oh, where's so and so? We can't do that until Tuesday because they're not back or whatever. And, and that's not really that's not really right um but as i say we've got we've got this problem and i think at the time um back in when this was first um kind of a, a real problem for me the queen the media was starting to talk about the queen and prince charles as a job share um to give prince charles a bigger role as the co-head of the royal family and enable a more long-term handover and oh. i hadn't actually heard of job sharing really before that <laughs> And I think it's like a mixture of the timing of things. It just really sparked something in me. I was like, well, obviously, why don't I just partner up with someone else? And and so I I contacted the recruiters and Mm -hmm. said, you know, why don't you just give me the number of somebody else or connect me with somebody else that's also looking for part time that you can't place and we'll just partner up. Um, And obviously it just went quiet. And um, I I kind of assumed that there'd be a platform, you know, in Uh the world of match.com and LinkedIn and Facebook I thought well it's just because I've not I've not needed it yet in my life that I haven't noticed it but it wasn't there Um, and that's really when it became my mission to draw upon all of my experience expertise and and drive uh, to make it more accessible Um, and and actually I didn't know about making it more accessible at the time to see whether this was being done successfully in industry in business Mm -hmm. And, you know, was there a limit to how senior you could get and what were the things that made it work or, or not? And, and that's really when I started coming across all these fabulous role models like um, Maggie and Judy and, and Polly Payne and Ruth Hannon and 
Katie Graves and Louise Demetrio. And I, I really did some very in-depth interviews with them to understand um, what it was that made theirs work, um, which was very similar to some of the research I'd done previously in my MBA and some of the, the, the things that I'd, I'd done before in, in my career. So, um, and, and it, it really started to kind of uh, take shape and where I could see that everybody had benefited from these very senior level job shares, I thought, right, well, it's my mission to make that model and the way to get there accessible and accepted in the norm. And that's, that's where it started. Wow. It, I just, you know, I can hear your enthusiasm and, you know, your mission driven. And I just think yeah. it makes such a difference. And as you said, it is not only for professionals trying to get back to the paid workforce, but also intergenerational, intercultural. Yeah. There are yeah. so many applications. And now, one question I had is like, from your experience, do you feel, you know, we might have CEOs and business leaders listening out there. Is it for everybody or what would you, you know, what does one need to be aware of? Um, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be for, for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, th that's for sure. But it, there will be a lot of people that are quite natural at this. Mm -hmm. It could be for every role. Okay. So the, the point is, it's not necessarily the role, it's okay. the individuals and okay. whether they can conceive it as being possible to, to do a job share. Um, I mean, we find that um, people in more relational roles. So f first of all, not every role will necessarily require this, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of flexible working, some roles can be done from home, they can be done remotely. They can be scaled down to part-time. Mm -hmm. You know, this is about having a toolbox. Um, but the problem at the moment that's causing things like the gender pay gap is the fact that there's no way of progressing when your role requires full-time continuity. There's one person doing it full-time or nothing. Um, and that's, that's really where a, this successful talent partnering approach to job sharing can be applied. Um, and it can really fill a massive gap. Um, but I think, yeah, so the people, your, your motivation for this, um, it, you, you know, you do need to be somebody that's quite self-aware. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you need to be somebody that understands what your preferences at work are. Um, and, you know, you can self-reflect and you can articulate that. Um, and, you know, able to trust you know, you do need to be able to jump in with somebody and go for it. And a lot of that is about whether the time, whether there's a pull on your time. I've spoken mm -hmm. to so many people that, you know, at one stage of their career have said, oh, my role definitely couldn't be done in a, as, as a partnership. But then when that time in their life came and they really wanted to keep their career and they also wanted to, do, they had to care for an elderly parent or they wanted time with their family um, they kind of thought actually I can see how this could be done um, and they change dependent on what's going on in their life and that's why it needs to be there as an option that's accessible because just because somebody says it at one point it doesn't mean that it's never going to be possible um, and that's what 
that awareness um, and ability to trust is what makes it possible. They need to be good communicators. Um, so willing to communicate and um, not hoard information. They have to have absolute commitment, particularly at the senior levels. So the senior levels, the success of these partnerships are absolutely linked to their commitment to each other and to making it work together. So there's no ego, individual egos. Mm -hmm. Their ego is attached to their partnership looking good. If their partnership looks good, they both look good. They need to be able to disagree and not take it personally. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, absolutely be, be uh, you know, own and, and be accountable for that full-time continuity. Um, but we do find that there's certain role types that are coming forward first if you like so things mm -hmm. like hr marketing pr comms they do tend to be slightly more female um led roles um mm -hmm. the, the 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 ratio should i say is yep. slightly more heavily female um but it, it's great because those roles are also crucial to it being implemented successfully so right um, so the fact that they're pioneering um at, at, director level in these roles is great because once you've got the role model in there as a company the belief that this is supported is also answered simply saying this job is open to job share and do nothing else doesn't break down that barrier that if i admit i want to job share it'll be career limiting um so actually having those senior level positions is is really really important and yes yeah, so so roles like we found um you know that it's so far engineering and IT type roles mm -hmm. um, I don't know yet whether it's the characteristics of the individuals or the or, or the culture within those sectors mm -hmm. that means that it's not as well taken up um, and it's, it's, it's really not very uh, implemented uh, very much at all in, in those sectors there's the very occasional um, example um, but yes, yeah, certainly more so in, in the, the HR marketing, more relational type roles mm -hmm. that really need you to be in that office Monday to Friday or Saturday to Saturday. Um, and, uh, you know, that they, they need to have that continuity there. This like to me, it honestly, it just seems like a perfect solution on so many levels. But mm. There might be, you know, a CEO, a leader listening to us now in an area of the world or an industry where it is very uncommon. So mm. what would you suggest to them, like as, as their first step, if they are interested in it? Mm. Well, I mean, I'd firstly, I would think of it as being, think about it um, as being um, a benefit of a, a, a best practice way of um running your people mm -hmm. a, a best practice operating model not corporate social responsibility shall we say yes to flexible working right but actually how do we improve the productivity of our workforce how do we better engage our employees and how do we address employee well-being because these are the stats that companies like the civil service or, um, who have implemented this and they've actually done um, surveys every year and consistently for three years job sharing is outperformed full-time and part-time in all of those areas wow so to a chief exec this is sensible business practice 
It's not a tick box exercise. So first of all, fundamentally, it's the way that they think about it. Um, and secondly, um, you know, the, the very first step is open up your talent pool. Make full-time roles open to partnerships and individuals. Um, do it from the top down and empower employees and, and, and candidates to partner up. You know, if your talent's motivated enough to pitch a partnership, why would you not want to engage with them and allow them to convince you? At the moment, it's really, it's kind of shut down before it's even started. Um, so yeah, think of it as an employee benefit. You know, the benefit of working for us is we've got a talent partnering scheme. We employ, we support employees at all levels to partner up, whether that's for work-life balance, study, leadership development. It's a fabulous attraction point uh, for employer branding. And, you know, if that sounds like, you know, to me, it seems like a no-brainer to at least test it out and do maybe a pilot. And what I found interesting when I was doing the research about you, that um, it says that your statistics say 58% of the people signing up with you are already employed, which I yeah. thought was very interesting to see. It's at least, they, they are, they are. And this is what it does because a lot of people feel trapped because they don't feel they've got the permission within their organization because of this 42% or 43% say that believe their employer won't support right. it. They get to that point in their career where they're like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with the next stage in my life and hold on to my job. And there's no one they can talk to about it. So that's a big indicator for us um, that, that, you know, this is solving a, a problem, a big problem that, that companies do have. Um, and yes, absolutely. I, I don't like the word, pilot in this okay. instance okay. and we've spoken to a number of large corporates who have agreed because the language is crucial and pilot feels as though it's it's being tested but we're not quite behind it yep. yet um, a new initiative okay. a new initiative is is what we'd like to say as a but yes absolutely start with a region or start with a, a department or an area of the organization where you know attrition is particularly high or you get a lot of flexible working requests or you've got a lot of people phasing into retirement and you need to come up with new ways of engaging that part of the workforce um and um and run a new initiative there and run this talent partnership scheme there and and kind of do a phased rollout as opposed to uh, referring to it as a pilot but yeah absolutely um you can start small, um, but there are some very exciting progressive projects going on internationally um, where this is becoming part of the norm. It's, it's on its way. It is on its way. We've been ahead of the market here in the UK at Genie B, which in some ways has been quite uh, frustrating, but in other ways has been great because we've been able to build our platform we've been able to do you know kind of test it and, and, and have it in situ um, and we've also been able to see and experience the barriers to to this being more accepted and we've formed our team our core team around that so not only do we have the kind of job share partnering expertise we've also got the tech and the cultural change which actually together are needed um, the tech is needed to make it accessible. The cultural change is needed to make it accepted. Um, and those two need to work, really work hand in hand. 
Um, and then within the advisory board, we've got machine learning, we've got reverse mentoring, we've got some fabulous skills in a very tight-knit core team uh, that make us, us put us in a good position now that the market's finally starting to uh, to build a little bit more. Wow. Um, so I also saw that you have a Genie B job share kite mark. Can you tell us a bit what that is? Um, so that's really for um, employers that become ambassadors to show that they have a supported way of working. As I said, it's very easy just to say, oh, yeah, this job's open to job share. But actually, nobody within that organization understands what a successful model for job sharing is. They don't have support for their candidates and there's no candidate experience involved with optimizing your partnership. Um, so actually having that that kite mark is an indicator that they've had training and they're supported uh, by a best practice approach to partnering. And now talking about this, you are having, um, I saw there is an event coming up. Um, it's the 2020 Back to Business Ship Marketing Communication yes. and Re Returners yeah. Program Week. Could you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, this is fabulous. So this is a returnship program um, that's in, oh, I think it's like its fifth or sixth uh -huh. year. Um, and it's exclusively for senior level um, people, men uh -huh. and women, um, that um, have had a senior level career in marketing, comms, PR, um, all of the roles that actually uh, uh, seem to be um have a good take up of, of mm -hmm. job sharing um, and it's a, a part-time course over two mm -hmm. weeks that actually reintroduces them and prepares them to go back into employment now we're partnering with them for the first time mm -hmm. this year um, because what they find is that um, the majority of people returning to work it's all well and good having a returner program but actually if you want if you don't want to return to work full-time right. you're kind of stuck um, so what this enables companies to do anybody with a returnship program to do is to um, unlock the ability to return as a partnership and therefore anybody on that program can actually choose to partner up with somebody else on there wow. and they can pitch in as a partnership at the end of it um, and we're there to support through the platform and through through coaching um, so it's really exciting it's had a fabulous response this year some amazing um, you know amazingly well qualified professionals um that companies can have can have access to so um so it's really great that sounds like a perfect solution for somebody who would like to go back is you know a high professional yeah. but as you said might want to have it on a level that they can then job share so this it just sounds perfect yeah it's opening up that ability to go back on three days because i think you know that the, the the kind of compromise that's made at the moment is oh well you could maybe do it on four days but really four is too similar to five exactly there's no adjustment in terms of your output uh, output expectation and that's on the behalf of the individual really as well as the company we all know as particularly as women but i think as anybody we're all very grateful for having any amount of flexibility mm -hmm. and you know when it's not um in in a kind of when you're not in a partnership you you really don't adjust 
your, your input. You end up working on your non-working day because you don't want to come back on the Monday and have to catch up on all of Friday's emails before you can either, even get going. Um, so, so actually the majority of people that have been through this, um, you know, having a family or, or um, this becoming a parent, they do want and need to return on three days. They just don't, they can't admit it at the moment. Um, but that is changing. Um, and as I say, um, partnering with us and with and having this kind of format, adding this format to returnship programmes um, massively opens them up. And one thing as you're talking about returnship, like in my research, I read and you talked about the energy level that job sharers mm. have. Could you yeah. talk a little bit about more about this? I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a few things about it, really. The productivity of job shares, we know, is at least 30%. Um, I mean, anecdotally, it's more like 70 to 100%. So you get basically two for the for the price of one, mm -hmm. really, or, or 1.2. The productivity levels are really high. And the reason for that is you basically get two energy boosts. So you go, generally, the model is one Monday to Wednesday, Wednesday to Friday. So you get somebody fresh coming in on a Wednesday, you don't get that midweek lull mm -hmm. <laughs> because you've got somebody else coming in, you know, it's a relay race. Right. Um, and, um, and they come in and we know that, you know, full-time individuals, they can't compete with the, um, with the partnership energy. Mm -hmm. So then that's for two reasons. One is, um, actually three reasons one is um this handover the fact that you come you come fresh mm -hmm. you've been able to fully switch off on your on your days off and switch into your other things you're not kind of in there in body but not in mind and uh -huh. um, secondly you need to to report your you want to report your progress to your partner right because you're fully accountable to each other before anybody else right. which actually makes them much easier to to, to manage mm -hmm. Um, because they 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 basically self manage really, um, because these are, these are more senior level positions. Don't forget as well, and and so they want to report their progress. So that means that first of all, they're very efficient in capturing what they've done. Um, so at the end of the day, um, that you know they'll have a working handover document. There are all kinds of programs um, that people use nowadays. Um, to, to, to log what they're doing. I absolutely love Slack. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, this means that we can dial in and out of what's going on and, and, and be very efficient at, at uh, capturing what's going on. So that actually improves contingency mm -hmm. and reduces single point of failure. Um, but then also, obviously, on their handover, they want to be able to report the progress. Um, so, yeah, it's absolutely about having that energy because you've had time to, to do everything that you need. Um, having the focus because you know you need to report and then actually doing the reporting and they all really add to um, just a very good kind of time management practice um, and it's just really generally the kind of um, best practice it's just it's just general best practice um, for for working efficiently um, and it's just required for a job share. But actually, there are so many widespread benefits to organisations for making this the norm. <laughs> um, that um, Yeah, it's, it's absolutely something they should be doing. Wow. Sarah, I feel I could be listening to you and all the, um, you know, positive aspects of ha having job sharers in one's organisation all day. And 
But as we are coming closer towards the end of our podcast, now is there something else you would like to share with the audience that we have not talked about yet? Um, I mean, a lot of this, just, just to say, empower yourself. You know, this change is coming. Companies, yes, they need to take the step and we're doing that. We're, we're helping them um, to, to incorporate this and there's some exciting projects that are coming at the moment. Um, but don't wait for permission. You know, empower yourself, be proactive, be positive and partner up and pitch. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. That was such an interesting and um, learning experience for me and for everybody out there listening to us. So I really appreciate all your expertise and experience that you shared with us today. No worries, Karen. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We hope you gained valuable insights and new ideas. To keep listening to future episodes, please head over to iTunes or your favorite player and subscribe and give it a rating. We would very much appreciate a review and for you to share it on social media so more people can start innovating in how they offer employment. Until the next time, goodbye.